0: Well, it's no news to you to tell you that as a little bit of warm weather has returned, (coughs) so also has immodest dress in the Columbia community. I suppose everywhere where there's warmer weather, we begin to see more of, although even in cold weather, you see a good bit of immodest dress, but in warm weather, it seems more so. And A trip to the store, a, a visit to Walmart, Just to drive down the street, uh, you're going to see some things that are just absolutely shocking by way of the kind of clothes that people wear. Three different individuals have suggested to me recently that we need uh, a lesson to remind us about what the Bible teaches on modesty. And so uh, we're going to do that tonight. We're going to talk about that. We often try to touch on that subject in the springtime. There's only so much that can be said, and I can't suggest to you that I'm going to tell you anything new tonight that you haven't heard plenty of times before from others, from me. Uh, It's hard to come up with an original way to say the same things over and over again. But it is important for us to be reminded about the importance of maintaining modesty. It's it's, It's not prevalent in the world. The world cares not a thing for it. Uh, We're under the influence of the world, I think, especially under the influence of things we see on TV and the movies and the Internet, just all kinds of immodesty, just in the extreme, of course. And so, as Christians, we are challenged, and it's important for us to always keep in mind what God expects of us in regards to the clothes that we wear. We need to be reminded about important decisions we're making about the clothes that we wear we're just going to do that for a few minutes tonight. Again, as I said, uh, I hadn't thought too strongly about it, but just even recently three different people suggested to me that we ought to talk about that again. And so I'm willing certainly to take that suggestion and, and, and run with it. Thanks for being here tonight. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you care to come back on Sunday night to be a part of uh, this time of worship and Bible study. We appreciate you. We're encouraged by you. We certainly hope God is glorified by what we do here tonight. If you have any questions... Especially on a subject like the uh, uh, unfortunately, I think what we would have to label as a controversial subject like the one that we 're dealing with tonight i don 't know why it needs to be controversial, but for some reason it is uh, and people sometimes get very upset about things that are said along this line. If you are upset, please come to me directly about your upset and let 's talk about it and let's uh, let 's try to uh, uh, try to work that out. I, re- I remember one time years ago, a fella came to me, uh, and, and, and to his credit, he, he came to me. He didn't talk to others behind my back. He came to me and said, I think that you have a problem with modesty. It's a hobby topic for you. You, you, you are on it all the time. I said, well, that, that, that may be so. You may be so. Let's think about that for a minute. I said, in a given calendar year, Um, I preach about a hundred times, two times, 50 weeks a year, about a hundred, approximately a hundred sermons a year. I said, I I usually try to make it a point to make one of those on modesty. So one percent of my preaching is about modesty. I said, now, do you think that's overboard? Do you think that's too much, extreme, writing a hobby? He said, well... So you put it that way, I guess not. <laughs> and so usually when we can talk things out like that, we, we can work out any disagreement or difficulty. I, this is not a hobby of mine. I, I, I don't even enjoy preaching on this subject, but I do think it's a necessary thing that we be reminded about what the Bible says on the subject of modesty. First of all, let's be reminded that God always has condemned exposing one's nakedness. Uh, and that's an important word, nakedness. For us today, when we talk about being naked, we think of absolutely without a stitch of clothing on. But that's not the necessary biblical definition of nakedness. And one of the very easy places to find out that nakedness does not mean total nudity in the Bible is to go way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had sinned. Let's read that in Genesis 3. Beginning verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, we're skipping some there, obviously. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves aprons. We understand that the Hebrew word from which this word apron is translated suggests probably more of the nature of something like a loincloth. That probably would be more meaningful to us. It was a, a small short garment that basically just covered the midsection of the body. And so it would have left the torso exposed on both man and woman. It would have left the legs mostly exposed on both the man and the woman. That was their effort to remedy the problem of nakedness. They knew they were naked, and in that sense, the word naked there was, they were literally without clothes on, any at all, and they made for themselves aprons. But notice what happens. When When God comes into the garden seeking for Adam, the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid... Notice, because I was naked and I hid myself. Think about this for a minute. He, they had already made the aprons, and they, so they had on a garment that covered their basic midsection of their body. But when God called out Adam, Adam said, I was naked, I was afraid. The reason I was hiding myself from you is because I felt naked. I was naked, I was afraid. He, he felt he was still naked even after he had made those aprons for him and his wife. Well, apparently God agreed with that assessment from Adam because in verse 21, unto Adam also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. The word coats there comes from a Hebrew word that would suggest a garment like a tunic, something that would go from the shoulders to at least the knees or often all the way to the ground, but at least to the knees or below a tunic like garment that would have covered. The torso of both man and woman would have covered their thighs and the the upper part of their legs at least to their knees or beyond. That's what God made for them. So, get this progression. When they realized that they didn't have any clothes on, they made aprons for themselves. That word suggests covering just the midsection, just the private parts of the body on both the man and the woman. But when God came seeking Adam, Adam said, Adam said, I really, you know, I really still felt naked. And apparently God agreed that he was still naked. Naked in the sense not properly covered. Not having enough of the body covered. Parts of the body were exposed that ought not to be exposed. And to remedy that, God made coats for them. And so this, this very early episode gives us a real good understanding about the biblical notion of nakedness. And it's always been a shame to have nakedness exposed. A text that we've studied many times in the past, but I think it's still a really important text in this consideration of modesty, comes from Exodus chapter 28, beginning verse 40. Now, this has to do with the clothes that were prescribed for the priests to wear. Now, I want to make this clear because some people have tried to, to quibble on this. I'm not saying that we ought to dress like the Old Testament priests. We are not Old Testament priests. We're not required to wear the same kinds of clothes that the priest had. We're just using this as a place that helps us define biblical nakedness. Because without question, the the Bible makes it clear that it's always a shame to expose one's nakedness. And so what is that nakedness? That's what we're trying to get a handle on. Well, here in Exodus chapter 28, beginning verse 40, And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats... And thou shalt make for them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them for glory and for beauty. And notice this part. And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. And they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come in into the tabernacle of the congregation, or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place, that they bear not iniquity and die. Here's the part of this that really helps us Not about priest clothes. We're not wearing priest clothes. We're not saying anybody has to dress in the same garb that the priest wore in the Old Testament. What we're pointing out here is there was a a part of their wardrobe that was intended for the purposes of covering their nakedness. And it was linen breeches or britches. We'd say breeches. They were to wear linen breeches. These were their undergarments. These weren't even exposed normally. These were clothes they wore under their priestly robes, with the idea that as they went about there, well, there's some pretty heavy work involved in administering the sacrifices at the tabernacle. And it would be possible that in the course of all that, maybe their robes get out of sorts. And maybe someone see up underneath their robes. And they'd be able to see a part of the body prescribed as nakedness. And these breeches were there to prevent that. The, uh, normally nobody would even it wasn't like the priests were going about their business wearing Bermuda shorts. It was that this was their underclothes to prevent the exposing their nakedness. But notice it says that these britches would cover their nakedness from the loins, that's the midsection, even unto the thighs they shall reach. Done quite a bit of study on that expression. And the way that's constructed in the Hebrew indicates that it would cover both extremes. And so it would cover all of the midsection or loins, and it would cover all of the thigh in order to prevent the exposure of nakedness. Well, that sort of confirms what we were reading there in Genesis 3, that biblical nakedness, at least on the lower half body, this really doesn't have anything to do with the upper torso of the body, but in regards to the lower part of the body, from the waist down, this would suggest that Biblical nakedness would would be the thigh of the leg. To expose the thigh of the leg. And the thigh, of course, runs clear to the knee. To show the leg above the knee would be exposing nakedness. All right, let's go to one other Old Testament text. Again, we're just, we're just looking for definitions here, right? In Isaiah 47, verse 1, Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. So this is a prophecy against the nation of Babylon. Okay? This is a prophecy by Isaiah, and it's figurative in nature. It's a fig- there's figurative expression here as the prophet is pronouncing God's judgment against the nation of Babylon. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones, grind the meal, uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance, and I will not meet thee as a man. For the purpose of our study, I draw your attention to nakedness again. This is talking about nakedness. But notice, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh was to be naked. In In this particular passage, again, this addresses the lower half of the body, But to expose the thigh is nakedness. And so I think that that's real helpful for us, knowing that God has always condemned exposing one's nakedness and knowing that nakedness doesn't mean to have not a stitch of clothes on. Biblical nakedness is just to expose parts of the body that are are not to be exposed to others. Uh, there's an exception to that in marriage, of course, I think. Obviously, I'm not even dealing with that exception. But in regards to how we conduct ourselves publicly in the view of others, to expose our nakedness is always condemned by God. And I think we've got a really good handle on what He means by that. I think it would involve keeping the torso of the body covered for both men and women and also the leg to at least the knee or below uh, and, and I, I reference these these Bible verses for that conclusion. That's not my conclusion. I don't I I'm not trying to if someone say, Oh yeah, you're just trying to draw lines. I'm not trying to draw lines. I'm just trying to take the Bible at its word what it means. And I think those passages are really very clear. Now, with that in mind, I just wanna I just want to step back for a minute and and urge you to think seriously about the full application of that. I don't think that when, when I see people in the church, especially young people in the church, and I see some of you wearing shorts, I don't think you're trying to push the limits. You're, you're certainly not wearing short shorts uh, or anything of that nature. And that's good, by the way. But I do see you wearing shorts that I think cannot possibly cover your nakedness all the time. When you sit down, what happens when you sit down and you're wearing shorts? You're wearing knee-length shorts. With the idea in mind, I need to keep my leg covered to the knee. You do need to keep your leg covered to the knee. But you need to keep your leg covered to the knee all the time. Not just when you're standing perfectly upright. You need to keep your leg covered to the knee when you're sitting down. You know what happens when you sit down, right? Those shorts ride up and half of your thigh is exposed. When you stoop over, bend down, get in a car, you're showing a part of your body that is prescribed in the Scriptures as nakedness. Now, you've got to think about it. I, I, and I really think the young people are the ones who are particularly challenged about this, but I want you to think about that. That's not my rule. That's not the old fuddy-duddy preacher trying to establish arbitrary rules about what parts of your body you got to keep covered the bible says so and so i really want to challenge you young people to think seriously about that well really all of us to think seriously about that there seems to be a clear biblical definition there that needs to be honored i'll tell you something else that i think also needs to be addressed in regards to this and it has to do with well i, I we could talk about a lot of things. Uh, uh, low-cut dresses on women. It's a problem I read just recently about a church where they were having trouble getting the men to pass the Lord's Supper on Sunday because the men, when they were passing the Lord's Supper, were seeing things in the way that the women were dressed. Low-cut dresses that were exposing things that men should, other men other than their husbands shouldn't be seeing. And I was just shocked by that. But this was this was in a, a Church of Christ where they expressed that they were having trouble getting men who wanted to pass the Lord's Supper because the men had to avert their eyes. You know, how are you going to pass the elements of the Lord's Supper when you have to avert your eyes, and not to look at something you shouldn't be seeing? That should never be a problem, right? We ought, we ought to understand these these limitations of nakedness. We it ought to be easy, right? Um, Someone asked me to comment about this in particular. And I know some of our young people do this, and I think it's something that needs to be considered. I just throw this out for your consideration, and you're going to have to make a decision about it. But I think the decision ought to be pretty easy. Some of the young ladies wear leggings with a dress over it that's way shorter than they would wear if they didn't have the leggings on. All right? I assume that the thought of that is that as long as the leggings are on, the shorts or the dress can be as short as you want it to be. Or can it? I'm just asking the question. Well, what if the leggings were flesh colored? Would you go for that? Could you wear flesh colored leggings? Could you wear nylon hose? Could you wear pantyhose? Which are really doing the same thing that the leggings are doing, only just without color. Could you wear a pantyhose and a short short Skirt, as long as the pantyhose were on. You see the question I'm asking? Uh, if, if whatever you're wearing is actually a covering, but it doesn't cover the form or fashion, if it doesn't, if it doesn't change the actual what we're seeing, then I think that's a problem. And I, I just want to encourage everybody to think about that. It's a popular trend in the world. I know that. Fashion is one thing. Modesty is another. And I think we've got to give some consideration to that. Again, know that God wants us to keep our nakedness covered. I think it's important to stress that we not only avoid nakedness, but also that we maintain modesty. Uh, Modesty and shamefacedness is a higher standard. It's one thing to avoid your nakedness, but being modest and shamefaced is different. And that's really the standard that the Lord has set for His people. It's not how close to the line of nakedness can I get. I want, I want to get just as close as I can get without crossing the line and exposing my nakedness. That's the wrong mentality. As Christians, we, want, we ought to want to be modest. We ought to want to demonstrate shame-facedness. And this is really a higher standard. The passage that we look to for these words is 1 Timothy 2. Verses 9 and 10, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Notice the the word or the phrase modest apparel. The word modest here, according to Vine, suggests orderly, well arranged, and decent. Well, I think I can understand the decent, but why would orderly, well-arranged, you know, Cindy tells me you can't wear stripes with plaids. That's not well-arranged. Stripes and plaids don't go together. Certain colors don't go together. You know, if you got on a black suit, you probably shouldn't wear brown shoes. Uh, that's not, that's not very well But that's not what, that's not what this word's addressing. The Lord doesn't care if we wear Brown shoes with a black suit. He doesn't care about that. This, this orderly, commentators will tell us that this orderliness and well arranged suggest that what I'm wearing needs to complement what I claim to be. It needs to go along with who I say that I am. That's what the well arranged and orderliness is, that I don't dress different from what I claim to be as a Christian that my dress ought to correspond with the life that I claim to be living. That's what the word modest would imply. Shamefacedness is real straightforward. Shamefacedness, uh, according to Kenneth Woosh, means respectful timidity and humility. Key in on that word timidity. You know, a lot of the people of the world, without doubt, dress in immodest clothes. They're not timid about that at all. There's no timidity on their part. Uh, And they're actually trying to expose as much of their bodies as they possibly can. They are not timid about that at all. We're supposed to be timid. We're supposed to have a respectful, respectful timidity. Some young people were asked, why do girls, for instance, wear revealing clothing? And you know what the overwhelming answer was from both boys and girls? advertising they're advertising themselves they're advertising their bodies and that's just the direct opposite of respectful timidity right and so this is the standard that god calls his people to to be modest to be shamefaced in the way that we dress it's a much higher standard which we, we can talk about this definition of nakedness and i think we should and i think the bible gives us that answer But modesty means you don't even want to approach that. You're not trying to see how close you can get to that. Agree? We want to keep away from lasciviousness. That's such an important word. In the King James, it's lasciviousness. Here's that text that Ricky read for us earlier, The Works of the flesh. I won't take time to read that all again. But there's the word lasciviousness. That's the word we don't use very often. In fact, I don't think I ever use that word, except when I'm reading from the Bible. I noticed Rick's version used the word lewdness there. That probably means more to us than lasciviousness. That's a word with meaning that we can probably grasp. Things that are lewd. Things that are intended to excite emotions and passions. Things that are, 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 are intended to make you think in a certain Lewd way. That's what lasciviousness is. Uh, notice, Thayer says, unbridled lust, excess, wantonness, shamelessness. We just talked about being shamefaced. L- lasciviousness is of a person who's shameless. Wanton acts or manners as filthy words, indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females. This word lasciviousness addresses a lot. But in regards to the clothes that people choose to wear, that's an important word to know. Vine says it is excess, absence of restraint, indecency, wantonness. The prominent idea is shameless conduct. We've got to avoid lasciviousness or lewdness. In all that we do, in the way that we act, in the things that we, that we engage in, the activities we engage in, by the way, this word would be the word to make the argument against dancing. This is the word. This is what's wrong with dancing. Did you notice down here? Uh, indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females. What's wrong with dancing? It's lasciviousness. It's lewdness. And so are a lot of clothes that people wear too, right? And we have got to avoid lasciviousness because they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. How important is this, anyway? How important is this anyway? Well, it's just the preacher, and he already said every spring he tries to preach a sermon on modesty, and we've just got to sit through it, and we've got to take it. Uh, and we can ignore that and go on and do whatever we want to do, but we just have to sit through that one sermon a year on modesty. It's just the price we pay. Well, I want to tell you something. It's a lot more serious than that. It keep you out of heaven. It keep you out of heaven if you practice lewdness, lasciviousness. If you're not careful about how you dress, it keep you out of heaven. That's how serious that is. I want, I want that to sink in a minute. That's how serious this is. This is not just an academic discussion. This is not just the preacher preaching an opinion that he holds. Uh, An old fuddy-duddy preacher who's way out of times and out of touch with reality, who wouldn't know fashion if it hit him in the face. That's probably all true. But this is about going to heaven. This is about going to heaven. Can you get that? Everybody got that? All right. A simple point to make is that immodesty can cause two people to sin. Uh, I, I know in discussions I've had before with people about immodesty, they've actually thrown this out. Well, you're just dirty-minded. you are just, just got a dirty mind. Uh, I probably have told this story before, but I have an aunt, and she had three daughters who were just slightly younger than my brother and I, but we were all close in age. And... They moved to an apartment complex, and the apartment complex had a swimming pool. And she was sending her daughters to the swimming pool in, in two-piece bathing suits. And I said, that's not right. I told my aunt, I said, that's just not right. How could you do that? Could, why would you do that? And she, and she said, she, my own family, she said, you just got a dirty mind. And I said, you know what my response to her was? I said, well, maybe I do. But a lot of guys do too, and they're ogling your daughters when they dress that way at the public swimming pool. So, you need to understand that immodesty can cause two people to sin. First of all, certainly the guy who's looking at that, he's sinning. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, I say to you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. If you look and lust... You have sinned. And so there's one side of this equation that, that if you allow yourself to look at such things and dwell upon such things and think about such things, you're sinning. And the immodesty of that person has got in your mind and you are allowing it to cause you to think things you shouldn't think. So one sinner is, is the one who looks, but the other sinner is the one who causes that look. In Matthew chapter 18 verse 7, woe to the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offences come, but woe to that man or woman by whom the offence cometh. And so the guy who looks is sinning, but the one who's causing that look is sinning too. And that has, uh, and so both parties need to exercise great caution. Finally, here's the bottom line, and this is what it's really all about. God wants us to be different from the world. That's the key concept that we have got to grasp. God wants us to be different from the world. Unfortunately, there's far too many Christians who really don't want to be different from the world. They want to be like the world. They want to see how close to the world they can get in all things, in in where they go, what they say, activities they engage in, but in the way they dress. There are too many Christians who want to be like the world. God has called us out to be different. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7, God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God didn't call us to be His people so that we'd be just like the people of the world. He called us to be different. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He didn't want us to be like the world. He wanted us to present our bodies as a sacrifice unto Him. We are to be different people, different from the world. And that's going to mean that we cannot follow worldly fashion trends uh, because we know that worldly fashion trends are going in the wrong direction. We've got to be different. We've got to be willing to pay that price, make that sacrifice. The Lord has called us to that. Well, I titled this reminders about modesty because I know that you know and have heard all of this plenty of times before. But it does it is it is necessary and it does help to be reminded. And I hope our reminder tonight will be an encouragement to us all pay that price, determined to be different than the world. Uh, that's what God wants. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it if you have any questions. Like I said earlier, Come to me immediately and let's talk about it. If you disagree, I'd be glad to sit down and talk. I won't get mad, I promise. We'll sit down and talk about it. If I've said something that's wrong or can't be defended scripturally, say so. And we'll talk about it. And if, and if I've said anything in error, I'll retract it publicly. But if you have a problem, please talk to me about that. Let's sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, if there are any who need our help in making your life right with God, let us know while we stand and sing this song. I'll falsely the the